Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain market report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer, Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's market report. Welcome to the market report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 8th of June 2020. Plenty of excitement this last week. The market went up at the end of the previous week to contract highs and then this week with a little promise of rain, the market's had a good old collapse Uh, only to then start rebounding again halfway through the week because, yet again, the weather somewhere else is uh, predicted to be slightly different. So if you take the UK and a very simple way of trading, we had a drought and all of a sudden the forecast changed from being dry continuously into being wet. And everybody took that as being the sole reason for the rally and in they went and uh, and the market dropped £5 in about three days. If only it was that simple. Uh, there's much more to it than that. You know, the UK crop is smaller. We know that. How much smaller? We don't know that. Uh, we're all guessing. Uh, the European crop is smaller and we're a key exporter. Uh, again, the French don't seem too uh, keen to sell. They, they were 10 euros out on a, on a recent tender. So they're, they're kind of confident with um, they've got tonnage to trade, but they don't seem in a hurry to do so. And any trade is being done, obviously, from Russia, which is where the surplus seems to come from. But if you look at the Northern Hemisphere, there isn't a massive surplus in the States, for sure. India and China, if they produce bumper crops, they will keep it themselves, which just kind of leaves Russia, Ukraine and Europe to be the people who've got to supply anyone that wants to be buying it. And, you know, that's kind of fraught with danger. You've got record high flour prices in Russia. You've got Mr. Putin, who's recently poured a load of oil into the Arctic River somewhere, found out on social media, and he's a bit cross. And he's a bit unpopular anyway. And, uh, you know, Russia has a bit of a history of having a revolution when food prices are high. So I think I think he's a he's a bit of a unreliable character when it comes to having a contract when, when markets could go up. I mean, historically, he has refused to export and, and exercise trades that have actually occurred. So people have been let down by Russia in, in the past when they didn't feel like letting it go. And if he wants to control price in his own countries, one of the things he could do is, is exactly that, just say, right, no exports. Prices lo- locally to him would drop, and prices around the rest of the world, whenever he has done that in the past, have gone up very dramatically. So half a hint from from those guys and uh, I'm afraid that will be a very firm market in other words the last time it went to 200 pounds a ton that's that's what happened I mean that's that's a bit extreme and and, and very possibly not going to happen but add a little bit of fuel to the fire uh, it, it is the rally in the last couple of days at the tail end of last week is a, is to do with a weather forecast for Russia which all of a sudden is dry and hot so that might just take a little edge off some of their production and might just f- push prices up a bit let's see how that one develops I, I mean it, it, it could easily be by the time we get to you listening to this you might have had so much rain you might feel so wonderfully happy that the crop in fact has been completely saved and, and the market will just go straight down but I don't know there's there's something about this market 
that that says to me it's not all over yet. There is uh, some more twists and turns to come. Uh, we shall see. It is a it is a gamble. Prices are good, um, but I think in the end there there is. It's going to take a lot to get farmers to sell a lot. I think they might sell a bit if they haven't sold any. And if they have sold some of 2020 harvest, they won't sell much more of it. Certainly won't sell quality product until they get there. So I think we're going to be in a period with a lack of sellers. And if you don't have sellers, then you don't have a market going down. But we shall, uh, well, hopefully get the market right with our guests. So values, old crop feed wheat, 160x farm you can make. Uh, it's not worth any more than that. I'm not going to pay any more than that. Someone might if they're desperate, but I don't see any desperateness. One or two consumers have got a bit more to buy, but I think they're going to relax about it. They're going to take their time. Um, they haven't got to pay up yet. Uh, so, yeah, I think there is enough wheat in, in the system. There are some farmers who will be um, hanging on to a last little bit, thinking I'll make a few quid at the end. Just beware the possibility of an early harvest and just beware there is quite a lump of future still left in store in this county, which has got to go yet. And uh, that's going to compete with you at the end. And as we move into into August, well, it isn't too much of a trouble for farmers to push the old crop into new crop because it's basically the same price as we start the new year. Uh, which leads us on to new crop prices. If you are selling it as available, uh, the futures are uh, currently if you if you're about say ten pounds under the futures price which which at this point is at point of recording 172 uh, you'd be kind of 62 delivered store for harvest movement and you'd probably make 160x for August buyers call movement. Uh, if you look at November you would make 167x and if you were to look at the May price, you'd make 172, something like that. Milling wheat, new crop milling wheat. I'm going to start talking about milling wheat. Uh, I said hell has frozen over, so we're, we're, we're prepared to start backing that crop. New crop milling wheat to the most difficult homes in the Midlands, £200 a tonne in round figures, delivery Oknov deck. That's pretty hefty. Obviously, haulage, £10, £12. And then there's the uh, claim culture you've got to consider on top of that, which still exists. The slightly more friendly homes and the ones that don't... don't uh, find a reason to claim for having six lorries on the six wheels on the lorry or something they will perhaps be a pound or two less but you end up with a pound or two more at the end when you haven't had all of the deductions but that's a pretty hefty price and and it's an indication of just how little milling wheat was planted last autumn there will be a large amount of milling wheat carried from old crop to new crop and there'll be a large amount of new crop cargoes trading my instinct on milling wheat if you get good spec when you get to harvest time is sell it at harvest time for a forward price because that will be the best moment in my opinion for prices for milling wheat for the year feed barley i would say you would make something like 23x as available just about nearly depending on yeah there's some people buying at the moment as available cargo so 23x is about a value we would work on that's not bad that's better than the worst moment we talked about recently i think that that isn't going to change much in the next week. I don't see even if wheat feed wheat ramped up, it would necessarily follow it. Which just leaves what's it doing? Yeah, ah, my old favourite, malting barley. Yeah, that 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 was the pariah crop, and then now all of a sudden is the. I'm not going to buy it, says the molster. I don't need to. I've got lots of carryover and all the other reasons why the world isn't drinking beer. But equally, that crop is in in a bit of a muddle, isn't it? Let's face it. 
Winter barley has not tilled. Some of the tillers that did appear have, have aborted. This recent rain, if anything, has possibly encouraged the plant to chuck a load more fresh tillers out, which will come to nothing other than a bit of trouble with green grains. And exactly the same on the spring barley crop. Some of those crops bolted through their growing stages. They're not very tall. They're droughted out. And um, what this rain will do is, is, is encourage the plant to try and increase tiller numbers. Now, they might come to maturity, but it's sure as hell going to be a hell of a ugly looking crop if you've got um, fit and, and green grains in amongst what can only be described as a mismatch of nitrogen as we, as we go through harvest. It's not going to be a, a harvest for the purest of perfect samples. It may well be a harvest where owning facilities, screening units, drying units, if it rains at harvest, etc. will uh, will help. But they're sure as hell if you've got a very expensive contract, there'll be lots and lots of reasons why the market can uh, Near you in the groin. So uh, yeah, we're slightly slightly worried about the quality of this coming harvest, and therefore it's not one you want to trade on a spec. If someone bids you what sounds like a really good price for spring barley, having not bid you for four months, you know, just have a little bit of common sense. Say why are they so suddenly keen on this? If you sell your product as a 1.6 nitrogen max 4% screenings 90% retained uh, the chances of you actually hitting that spec have reduced markedly because of the drought so beware price is not everything I think you would be stronger uh, if you actually got the sample determined what it is and said this is my product pay me a price for it on this basis okay that's uh, my wise old words of this week so I hope the rain is perfect, the wind isn't too strong, and the sun comes out again, and uh, all your wishes come true. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Get your website working for you with East Coast Design Studio. Want to know how to increase traffic to your website? East Coast Design Studio are offering a free full site assessment and SEO appraisal to help you improve the performance of your business. Each website report comes with a clear, actionable and prioritised list of recommendations that you can implement in order to reach more customers. Want to get more visitors to your website? Go to eastcoastdesignstudio.co.uk and click on the ribbon on the homepage. Oh, and did we mention it's free? And now it's time for Farm Chat. I've got great excitement this week because you've, you've not just got to listen to the Doing Grain staff. We've actually um, uh, kidnapped Russell Caulfield from out in the yard here, who is the... What is your title at Ailsham Growers, Russell? I'm the commercial director. Okay, and um, how long have you been in Ailsham now? Uh, Twelve years. <laughs> Because it feels like about four, doesn't it? Yes, the time's gone really quick, to be fair. But um, yeah, 12 years has flown by. You are the sister cooperative of Ailsham Grain Limited. or I mean, the, the Ailsham Grain was actually a sub-cooperative formed off the back of Ailsham Growers. Is that's right, history. yeah, that's right. So 12 years, Russell, of, of managing it. And in that time, because it was a... It was a pretty sleepy old town off and on, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You, you've done some fairly dynamic things along the way, haven't you? So Yeah, um, you know, when I came into the business, before I even came back to the business and started with Elsham Growers, I'd been over in New Zealand and um, 
I came back and I remember ringing out Chris and saying, uh, I see you're advertising Chris for a manager. Um, Chris Harold. Who's Chris Harold, yeah. Uh, you know, this is what I've been doing. Don't know anything about growing peas or anything, but i have used to growing crops and onions in particular. And, um, you know, do you think that would be appropriate if I put my CV forward? And he said, well, yeah, put your CV in, Russ, have a go. So I did. And I remember actually sitting in this very office, actually, for my own interview. Yeah. And lo and behold, uh, you know, 12 years have passed. But when I joined the business, you know, we had, um, there was just a couple of viners. We had about 757 hectares in my first year of uh of vining peas and um came, came into the job completely blind i hit the ground running um, I mean, it had been an established like pea you know this is this vining pea growing operation since well well before 1981 i don't know what year correct. it was formed what year was it formed do we know that 69 i think was it really mm. and it's been on this site all that time correct yeah okay and 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 it was just peas initially, wasn't it? It was just peas, yeah. They were do- well, pea, they before that they'd been doing some veg, hadn't they? They'd done the calories before my time. Peas, they have been doing French beans as well. So a few of those. But um, yeah, the business has changed quite a lot over the 12 years that I've been with them. We're doing pretty much 3,000 hectares of peas now. So, you know, it's gradually gone up, predominantly all into one customer with a small offshoot going, uh, which is at uh, Greenyard. Uh, which is on the Hardwick roundabout at Kings Lynn. So that's where the majority of it goes. And, you know, the, over that time, the profile has changed as well. We've gone from doing what I'd class a standard P, the BC grade piece, to more of a double A 150 minute P, the speedy piece. Yeah, okay, that's kind of like getting a bit quick for me. So a B and a C is not quite as good as a double A 50 minute. Correct, correct. And the double A 50 minute means. 150. 150, which means what? So basically, that, that means we've got 150 minutes from the minute that we harvest those peas, put them in a lorry, get them to the factory and out the other end. Okay. So when they come out the end of that freezer, it has to have taken less than 150 minutes to freeze those peas. Okay. And, then, and that is what we call the speedy pea. And, yeah, we, you know, we've, we've been doing quite a lot of those. Last year, we did a huge chunk because of the season. This um, season's a bit more, I mean, it was turning, it's going to be everybody, everybody's peas ripe the same day at, at, with the lack of rain, wasn't it? It's yeah, so this season's going to be very, very different. Everything established really, really well early on. You know, we started drilling in March. Um, it was perfect. It was actually honeymoon perfect period, wasn't it? That, that all of that rain, all of a sudden it turned dry. Yeah. And there wasn't anybody on the road, so you could just get on. and. Yeah, we were quite happy, merrily away, drilling away. Everything looked superb until probably the last six weeks where we've really then been up against it. We haven't seen any rain, as we all know. Um, seed beds have been drying out. We've then been encouraging everybody to conserve moisture with either anything that's been winter ploughed. We've tried to roll it down, you know, just to try and hold it right through. But, you know, crops now, especially the early crops, they've really, they've really suffered. Um, and it's not just vining peas, obviously it's, you know, it's all crops you see as you drive around, but you know, those that we've been able to get the water onto, they look pretty good to be honest. Yeah. They do look quite good. We're going to have some respectable yields there. But if when, I'm completely when you, on... When do you expect to get started, is that...? Uh, so we've actually just done our first TR sampling this morning. Okay. Uh, first readings have just come in. Uh, I've got six fields reading between what we call the TR of 85 to 91. And so TR, t- just for the uh, uninformed... The, the TR is the tenderometer, the tenderness of the pea, basically. Right. So the younger the number, the lower the number, the sweeter the younger the pea. And obviously, as you go through the numbers, they get... They go up in TR uh, band. So if it's not quite, they're not quite big enough now, or not quite ready. How many days will it take between now and? So with the weather that we've got over this weekend, and the fact that we're going to have a bit of rain, 
I suspect that we'll probably be harvesting by Wednesday or Thursday. They're probably going to move between four and five TR points a day. Okay. So I'm probably hoping to get them about 120 TR um, around about there. And the reason that I'm going for that one is because I've got nothing really pushing after my first six fields. Okay. So the idea is that I'm just going to wait for the, the first six fields just to probably push a little bit harder than I normally would just to so that we can have a good run and actually then keep going. Because we run 24 hours a day. Yeah. And not only that, Andrew, but... The fact it hasn't rained, we aren't going to have the yields that we've planned on when we started drilling. Yeah. So obviously I'm going to clear land a lot quicker than I, I would have anticipated yeah. when I was doing the drilling program. So um, hopefully I'll be able to keep my wheels going instead of a stop, start, stop, start. And I'm not saying actually that um, it won't be that kind of a season. Um, I've got everything crossed at the moment. We're going to see some rain over this weekend. Certainly we're going to, we're now getting last some main crops. Yeah, as we were expecting some last night and it was like, oh. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> You know, I think like you know, a you know, couple of mill have fallen in certain places. Yeah, like uh, it depends on what weather forecast you want to look at as to uh, you know how excited well, you really yeah, want to yeah. get on it, isn't it? I I, th- I think I mean that it's uh, within cereals. I was talking to someone yesterday, and and the immediate thought he had on lots of the crops was it's not going to do any good. It's going to simply bring make the plant. Uh, introduce some second growth which will never come to anything anywhere just use yeah. all its energy up doing that yeah well, i probably agree with you on this on the cereal front but because we've probably staged our drilling from right from early march right through to the end of end of may we've got crop at loads of different growth stages and some crop that's not even through the ground so anything that gets some rain now all of our main crop stuff if they if they get a good amount of rain and a nice steady rain it'll be a complete game changer for us as a group, you know, and I say they're the main crop. So if, if we do get that rain, hopefully it'll be able, that yield will be then propped up from against yeah. the stuff that we had on the early season stuff, which is obviously going to be so, lower so, than expected. So a really good rain for four or five days this week. Would that see the bulk of the whole of what you got coming or is there some later stuff, which then you're still going to be needing some, some more rain on? Correct. Yeah. We'll need some more rain on the stuff that was drilled second week of May. Definitely anything from that second week away because we're not going to be harvesting that until probably any, anywhere between about the 15th, 20th of August time. So there's a long way right. to go really yeah, yeah. for those crops. And the contrast between this season and last season, you know, we were getting rain in the May period last season towards the back end of the season. Anyway, this season we've obviously seen nothing. Some crops have seen no rain whatsoever since the minute we've drilled them. And they're still uh, alive, obviously. Just they're hanging in there. Let's be honest. They're hanging in there, but um, they don't look pretty, shall we say. Uh, it's a 2012 season for me. That's, you know, I can think, but I can remember 2012 for me and it was, you know, we had a very small, short crop. It was low to the ground. We were scratching our heads as to how are we going to be able to harvest it? Will we be able to recover the peas effectively and efficiently? And not only that, but when we're looking at, especially what I've seen this morning when I've been TRing, you know, we've gone from having, say, um, seven, eight, nine peas in a pod to, four, five, and six peas in a pod. So you can already see that you're going to have a yield impact. It's very much the same in what's happening in the cereal world. You know, without that, 2012 was a very small harvest, and it was very high prices, and it was, yeah, lower yield. We know we're going to get a lower yield. Yeah. Um, which is never a cheerful moment for a grain trader or a grain store or a, <laughs> no. a, a pea grower, is it? No, exactly. You know, we're already having the factory saying to us, look, we want every pea we can get. And on the back of this COVID-19, you know, everybody's been buying frozen veg. So yeah. from a from the freezer's point of view, you know, their stock supply is, they're empty. They can't wait for us to get going. Pea harvest is is established hoping for rain what else have you got in the ground this year um so we've got some dwarf beans that are going to be start we're going to start drilling dwarf beans in about the 
well, the 15th of June is when we're going to start drilling, with the idea of supplying them from the 18th of August onwards. Okay. So uh, there's a reason for drilling on that date, because they take about 70 days to come fit to harvest. So we can work the program around that. Yeah. There is still a demand for them, which is yeah. quite interesting. But there is always risk with growing dwarf beans. They are quite a high-risk crop to well, grow. Because of the fact it's in the middle of the summer or lack of rain? Firstly, water for this year. Yeah. Sea cost is expensive. Yeah. We've, we're losing agrochemicals hand over fist on them, really. We really don't have that many now. And botrytis and sclerotinia can be an issue with growing them. We've actually, over the years, you know, we've cut our seed rates right back. So when I started, we were, you know, the group was growing around about 440,000 uh, plants a hectare. Mm-hmm. We're now growing, uh, this year the plan is to grow 290,000. The idea being that the plants are f- spread further apart. Yep, so it should reduce you know, the disease. So we get more airflow around the crop. Yeah, okay. Also, we've gone to a slightly wider spacing. Um, so we've gone from an 18-inch to a 20-inch row drill now as well, just and to get more... And this is trial and error. This is the Russell this... Caulfield School of let's try this one. Well, yeah, we, we trialled it over the last probably four or five years and we found it to be quite effective and it's worked um, and it hasn't had any significant impact on yield by reducing the seed rate. The idea being that the plant grows up it's a lot stronger. It's a bit like a tree. It's not competing for the light and the nutrients and everything. Yeah. So it can then branch out and it can set the beans. And, you know, we're now seeing probably 15 to 17 beans on a plant, uh, you know, in a good season. Which is in comparison to... Before that we were seeing, they were competing, there would have been about eight or nine. Oh, okay. So, you know, they That's were getting squeezed out, really. Sounds like a saving. Sounds yeah, like... yeah, yeah, a huge saving on seed costs to start with for the grower. And it, But it is a tricky market to be in. I'll be honest, it's a tricky market. Yeah, at least it's a UK product, isn't it? Yeah, it is a UK product, yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't seem to be growing too much, you know, the, the is demand. This, is it fine beans, they're called? Is that the, the French beans, fine beans? They're, they're a medium to large bean, basically. So there are extra fine beans. Um, we have tried to grow them in this area, but it doesn't really suit our soil type. So okay. they're typically grown like out in the fens, uh, Ely and around that area. And they kind of like that soil type. We're growing anything from a 9 to a 10.5 mil bean which is measured by the diameter of the bean okay um and then they go through the factory and they're either they go through the snibbers and they're either topped and tailed so they are then we call them the whole bean yeah. or they they slice them yeah um slice them up and then they'll put them in the mix packs the carrots and whatever else yeah which which which, which were sold out in uh, sainsbury's yeah only, only up until about two weeks ago correct Absolutely. well you know good the more of it the better yeah and you know, is there any other? Have you have you got any new plans that you can't talk about that you, you want to drop us a hint? Or? Uh, yeah, there is one other thing that's uh, ongoing. Uh, we had a go of it last year; it's been quite successful. Um, so we've expanded it quite a bit this year uh, in terms of growing it. That is, without really divulging too much. I know what you're talking about, but itching um, of a way to drop a hint. About yeah, 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 yeah. It's all protein related, anyway. That would be my hint. The question is how we go and harvest it is, is the honest thing, Andrew. You know, we harvest it with one means, but actually the demand the, the, the demand that we've got isn't the way that we harvested it. So we're, we're, we're now tr- going to, this season, come up with a different tactic on how we're going to harvest the crop, okay. which could be quite exciting, yeah. uh, but there could be quite a few pitfalls as well. Um, You're going to use some furloughed staff to do it by hand, yeah? <laughs> We, we might need to if it's come, if my plan doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you diversified 
you know, a few years ago, you got a maze thing going. There's a whole load of you put masses of effort into putting a cooperative together to get a maize crop grown. That's right, yeah. And that was successful, and a farmer gave away some of his land to have the plant on it. And it's kind of that that no longer exists within your group, does it? Which is slightly annoying. Yeah, that that, that was a big blow, really. That was uh, a project that I started uh, yeah, what, you, you very really, early on, actually. Yeah, that you was know, ballsy, that was. That 2010, was. I... Um, 2010, I started researching it. I remember going going uh, over to Europe and Germany and all over the place looking at different plants and different technology providers, etc. And then we eventually came around to, uh, you know, growing the crop in 2012, which was our first year, actually, yep. uh, when we were commissioning the plant. And we've done, we set that, you know, everyone was a bit sceptical. You won't find the land rush. You won't get the growers. And we went from growing a few hundred acres in the first year just while we commissioned that plant mm. to well over a 1,000 hectares by year two. Yep. Um, unfortunately, yeah, that that fell away um, for whatever for whatever means, really. But there's still a big interest there. There's a big appetite from us as a group, yeah, um, the and expertise. there are from the growers. We've got the expertise. You know, we could we could turn around and we've got to look at other stuff, haven't we? And that, and that could reappear possibly if we can just find a way of doing that. Correct. Which would be kind of fair. But yeah, is there is there any more Russell brainwaves? What's your next thing? Is there a if my secret crop that we have been referring to earlier? takes off this year and i've proved that i can grow it and that i don't kill it with agrochemicals because yeah. it's unknown actually in terms of how much we can hit it with in terms of certain certain herbicides anyway in particular because if i get one of those wrong i could burn them up fairly quickly yeah. you know I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to think that that market's going to grow quite quickly uh it will certainly extend our harvesting for us as a group you know uh, we start harvesting now in june we, we could be harvesting right through to the end of october with this there are a few, a few other little ideas but they're only very much little ideas at this moment in time I mean, again could- using the, the using the cooperative as a um as a tool to you know to bring these ideas in to, to you you've obviously been successful with, the, with two or three different things that people are looking for alternatives i mean there's Correct. a desperate i mean rape oilseed rape is a is a nightmare and not so much in norfolk but the, the flea beetles up here yeah um but we've we've still got some okay crops it's not disastrous that people still need an alternative and uh, you know innovation is is severely lacking correct so it's just a case of if you with a with a cooperative group you should in theory be able to say look here it is do you want to try it and there's normally enough kind of keen volunteers to to take one for the team isn't there yeah there are there are last year we trialed uh growing some sweet corn um and uh, again it was hugely successful it worked an absolute treat my children quite enjoyed selling it actually they were they became quite little entrepreneurs to be honest with you um that was flying out the gate every night father was having to go picking sweet corn and sacks of the stuff um uh, yeah the idea we were looking at that um to grow some sweet corn up here but the problem is that this the amount of capital investment to do it um you know to do that just for a one sweet corn plant and also it's obviously continuity of supply throughout the 12 month supply chain um it's it the idea was that well you know it was on the back of the maize really that you know we could grow maize could we grow sweet corn and if we could grow sweet corn could we grow the types of sweet corn that the market was dictating um and it it, it was very good it was it was an interesting uh, experiment it has worked you know it's not to say that in two three years time factory turn around and say actually we'd like to grow some sweet corn and process it we we're probably ahead now and we've got the the ability to you know have a go yeah which is well that'd be great wouldn't it you know local supply of food will will after all of this covid 
19. Will everyone be back uh, in the supermarket or will they actually be supporting local producers, etc., etc.? Is there an Aylsham Growers, I don't know, collective marketing of local produce in your brains as well? Is there something like that we could do? Interesting enough, actually, my friend sits on the NFU magazine that's just recently came out holding a tray of stuff, um, Hugh Forsyth, um, and uh, he was on the Worshipful Company of Farmers course with me. So uh, it was quite good to see that Hugh had already gone out and done that. You know, I think with what we've got around this area as well with locally grown things, we've got Brett's here locally in within Aylsham, you know, yep. there's the opportunity for Aylsham Growers, Aylsham Growers members to be growing product, produce to perhaps go through that way or through some of the local farm shops. We're quite sport in our area, really, aren't we, with farm shops, fresh fresh product? Well, yeah, we've got the produce coming off the fields and, and some people are particularly good at marketing and some people are pretty bad, bad. You can go and get fabulous produce from, from stalls on the side of the road. Yeah, you, you can which are incredibly cheap relatively. Um, but you, you get one cauliflower and two packs of carrots and then you've got to drive to the next one to get the next thing. And it, exactly it, right. It's, it's will, will the general public um, just go back to old habits is, is I guess, the... You'd like... I, if you were to probably just think about it, I, I, I'd like, you'd probably say that it's going to be a 50-50 split within the next 12 months, I would have thought personally. I think some people are eyes will have been opened a little bit. I also think that there'll be less people probably going to the supermarket shopping now. I think more people have now got used to the idea of let's do our shopping online. Mm. Um, you know, I just watched the, my own road and the number of different vans from different supermarkets are now coming up and doing drops off. Mm. You know, we don't do that as a family. You know, I support the local businesses within town, go mm. to the butchers, go get Brett's, for example, and get that and then just top it up with whatever we need. So, yeah, I think some people's eyes will have been opened. They'll, you know, they won't be going to the supermarket as much. Other people will carry on using the uh, the farm shops because they'll have they'll like it and they'll probably be those the people that have actually got shall we say a little bit more disposable income to be able to do that perhaps there's a there's a hassle going to a supermarket at the moment there is you have to queue outside don't you yeah i had that same experience at the weekend i actually popped up and got a sandwich a little while ago middle of the afternoon and and budgeons and you're like six people back and you know it's like oh really yeah used to going in there and getting my product straight away how dare you stop me <laughs> exactly <clears throat> exactly and you're very conscious as well when you're in that shop aren't you now that mm. oh can i go past that person shall i skirt around shall i not you know do i need to wait behind them yeah lots of people were wearing masks which i thought was never going to catch on so it's um you know if we go back to what we're going to do for this pea harvest you know i've i've got seven individual cars coming in so that the opposite person will piggyback on that car there will be no joined up let's get six people in a crew van like we've done for the last uh, 11 years i wonder why the fleet of fiestas yeah 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 that's the idea that basically we're going to try and minimize all contact with drivers especially initially for the first two maybe three and we'll, we'll keep seeking government advice but it is a worry and i feel that people who are going to come and work for me you know they want to come to work but they also have the right to go home safely and this is one of the ways that i can mitigate it but they have to obviously use their own common sense you know we're going to have a two-day health and safety uh, uh meeting before we even start harvest mm. this year one of them is to you know to go through talking about covid and how we're going to what what we put in place to try and protect people mass gatherings 
uh, we're going to split the team up. So we're going to have two different shifts, for example. So, you know, we can't get them collectively meeting. We're, we're going to impose that only one person, for example, can go in and out of the mobile workshop. I've taken all the cups out of the mobile workshop so they can't freely make a cup of tea this year. Yeah, they're going to have to, they're going to, you know, the, <laughs> no, no, the tea and the coffee will still be there. They've just <laughs> got to bring their own cup every day. But um, what about the farmer coming into the field to look at uh, the crop? The farmer can come into the field, but he, he can't but his it, own field. Then. Yeah, no, 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 no. Well, there might be someone I might like to, to be fair. But um, in terms of people riding in cabs this year, there won't be any of that going on. No. Um, normally, the old farmers like to jump in and have a, a ride and see what's going on. But there'll yeah. be the growers will get an email very shortly to say, "I'm very sorry, but." We're not going to facil- facilitate that this year. So, I mean, the, with the farmers now not allowed to go in the cab, they're just going to have to stand on the hedge and say, oh, you've missed a bit, and point at it. Uh, well, hopefully we won't get too much of that, I really hope. <laughs> right, Russell, I think everybody who listens to this podcast is going to be so delighted to hear a different voice because they are they are getting fed up with the, uh, the repetitive stuff that we keep running on about. This week, I firmly believe I've not offended anybody because last week I have a massive record of people I've offended... <laughs> best response so there is a temptation to be rude or or provocative but anyway this week it's been interesting and you know you are our sister cooperative to Alsham Grain um you know it's it's good working alongside you it's the same farmers in effect it is um yeah you know so I, I wish you a really happy healthy good dry at the end harvest <laughs> yeah well for you maybe yeah <laughs> Well, no, we'll we'll use our dryers if it rains, but uh, nobody's particularly happy in that at that time, and it makes life a bit arduous. So, I'll, I'll settle for a uh, a small damp patch in the middle, and then finish off dry. That'll do. That'll right. do. Good, Russell. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 